1: Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Playoff Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by J.J. Cooper. Hello, everybody. J.J., the World Series is set. Dodgers, Red Sox, two of baseball's most historic franchises. The last time these two franchises met in a World Series, 1916, the Dodgers were the Brooklyn Robins. And funny enough, that series was not played at Fenway Park. It was played at where the Austin Braves played to accommodate a larger crowd. Thought that was a fun little historical I was going to say nugget. that's also
0: far enough back. I think you're at the very tail end of. Oh, if you want, if you have a bigger crowd than the seats can handle, well, they'll just throw them into the outfield and dry, drag a rope around the outside and make that a, uh, you know, ground rule double if it rolls into them.
1: I mean, as kind of a history nerd, both baseball and beyond, I love this. This is going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, how we got to this point is is interesting because there were you know bumps and bruises along the way. But at the end of the day, we're getting the team that won the most games in the major leagues last year. Uh, this year, excuse me. I was going to say, they are This year. Plus the team that, you know, again, it was definitely more of a struggle this season, a 16-26 start. You lose Justin Turner early. You lose Corey Seager for the year. You go through 30 different pitchers. But the Dodgers, at the end of it, are where most people expected them to be.
0: Yeah, and we, when the Dodgers hired Andrew Friedman and all... Um, one of the things that was said at the time was, is that this could be a juggernaut because you are talking about a, a team that is going to have all the resources in the world. And at this point, when it comes to resources, these Dodgers have every bit as many, you know, as much that they can spend as any Yankees team. There's no, there's no team in baseball that can outspend the, the Dodgers. When Corey Seegers goes down, No problem, we'll just pick up Manny Machado at the deadline, not a problem at all.
1: And spend in this case in terms of prospects. Right.
0: Because they have both the financial resources, but that was what I was going to get to. Then you throw in that adding in kind of a a very analytically inclined front office that is going to find little margins here and there that they can grow. Like one of the things the Dodgers clearly have done is, is they have emphasized depth. If you have resources have nine starting pitchers that you can uh, turn to if you need to and have two or three of them on the DL at any point. And they do not look at it. They have looked at it the last several years that having pitchers who are only going to be healthy enough to give you 15 to 20 starts, they would rather have that. They would rather have 15 good starts from someone than someone else who can give them 30 mediocre starts. They, they have the numbers to make up for that. The injuries at some, at some points on the pitching staff this year, seems like it's even kind of taken a little bit of a bite out of them, but here they are as they go to the World Series and you say, this is a very deep team. This is a team that more so than almost any national team, normally when we talk about a National League team, one of the disadvantages that they have is you go to the AL Park and it's like, you all of a sudden have to have a DH and there are times where there are teams who clearly are not well equipped to put in another thumper in the middle of their lineup I, that's not a problem with this Dodgers team. This is a Dodgers team that has multiple options. They may use multiple different DHs depending on the pitching matchup because they have multiple options of guys who you would be happy to have in the lineup. Um, and again, this is a very deep team. But the reality is, is they're facing a Red Sox team that... This Red Sox team, if they if they win this World Series, it is fair to say is this one of the great teams of all time. 108 wins is is a very lofty number. It's not like we've never seen it before, but at the same time, 108 wins, they've already beaten two teams that also won 100 or more games. Pretty handling, three games to one and four games to one. Right, pretty much dominated them, you know, the reality is, is and you look at this team and you say, hey, you know, I, I think that they're the clear favorite. Um, they're a better team so far over the course of the 2018 season. They are a better team this Dodgers. I mean, they're gonna win it, but. I, I like the the pitching matchups for them. I think that their lineup's even a little better than the uh, Dodgers. And bullpen wise, at the way that this Red Sox bullpen is working right now at this moment, and also the willingness of uh, of the Red Sox to be a little creative if, if bulking it out, which is is that, hey, our starting pitchers are very much part of this bullpen as well. You put it all together, and you say, no, I think this is the better team.
1: It's going to be an interesting series for sure. Before we dive too uh, deeply into it, I do want to go back. First of all, I have to, a little bit of bragging rights. I did pick the two uh, the two winners. Congratulations, Dodgers, yep. Red Sox. Although I got the games mixed up. I, I said I thought the Dodgers would win in five and the Red Sox would win in seven. The opposite happened. But uh, the Dodgers-Brewers series, you know, concluded over the weekend... Game seven, you and I both, and Matt Eddy, our, our uh, co-executive editor, had a, a spirited discussion earlier in J.J.'s office where we're all pretty much in agreement that the Brewers' bullpen management there was questionable at best in terms of who they brought in in the sixth inning, going with Xavier Cedeno, who has a one-out man for the most part this postseason, has largely failed to right. do that job. He, he's not gotten that out. And then Jeremy Jeffers, who we've talked about ad nauseam, You know, he... he had the outing where he got out of it. Uh, but he's in the pitched series, But it's been terrible, you know, aside from that one minor positive where he also did load the bases. Before well, I was going to say, I don't call it. that a
0: positive. He got through the inning, inning but, but you but would not look at that outing and
1: say, oh, he really pitched well here. So, uh, on the one hand, look, the Brewers were down 2 1 at the time. They were not hitting. This was not like they had a lead to blow. But by the same token, we talk ad nauseum about a manager's job, first and foremost, is to put his team in the best position to win. And in this case, you, both myself, you and Matt Eddy, pretty universally thought that Craig Council failed to do that with who he chose to go to in the sixth inning of this game.
0: And I will say, he didn't have a lot of great choices because they were a little bit taxed. This is the end. This was, if you are a critic of the relying on your bullpen uh, approach, which I don't think that the Brewers had a whole lot of choices in uh, September and October, but one of the criticisms of that is, is at some point, you just start to run out of gas. And they were, they were running out of options at this point. Mainly, I, I'd say that really where this all started to fall apart was when Gio Gonzalez was unable to give them any length, was hurt, you know, had to leave the, basically had to leave the playoffs. But the moment that they lost Gio Gonzalez, and so they had to really, where they had planned on probably needing to get, use the bullpen for let's say 18 outs in that game, instead they had to turn and say okay we've got to get 20 you know we got to get 24 outs out of the bullpen and from that point on they were a little bit overtaxed as a bullpen and so they didn't have a lot of great options but they it did feel like that that was that was, that was the worst of the options they had to choose at that point of course at the same time it really ends up being academic because The other part, the part that if you're a Brewers fan, I think is much more something to lament going forward as you look back on this, which, hey, great season for the Brewers, but where did the lineup go? Uh, You know, this was a very potent, very good lineup for the entire season and and in the first round of the playoffs to extent. And against the Dodgers, credit to the Dodgers, credit to the Dodgers, uh, when we talk about analytics, credit to the Dodgers scouting, credit to, they were a step ahead of the Brewers lineup, Brewers hitters, most of this series, and the reality of it is, is you know it would not have mattered if they had chosen you know if Brandon Woodruff had come in instead in that situation and shoved or Freddie Peralta or take your pick, because at that point the Brewers were down a run and they weren't going to get that run. And that's where you, know, you mentioned credit to the Dodgers. I think
1: people because the Dodgers were cycling so through many through so many pitchers, and the narrative was, oh my gosh. Kershaw's down again. They've lost this. This bullpen's been poor, et cetera, et cetera. What got lost is the fact the Dodgers led the National League in ERA this year. They were second in baseball, only to the Houston Astros. This has been an elite pitching staff for all the warts and bumps and bruises over the course of the season. This has been a better pitching staff than the Cubs, a better pitching staff than the Brewers, by the way. Mm-hmm. When all said and done, and I think at the end of the day, you know, and again we talk about the Brewers' offense, the Brewers' offense, the Brewers' offense. A lot of what Carried the Brewers for a good chunk of this season was their pitching the Brewers were 12th and runs scored This was not a great offense. This was a offense with some players at the top who were really good, right? But over the course of the season it was again a mid um, a, a little, above, a, a a little, little bit, bit above, above average, average, but not but, great You but, have a great pitching staff with a little bit above average offense the great pitching staff won out
0: but the other thing is though, is, is you also have the National League MVP and He was pitchable you could pitch to him and that's the, that was the unexpected uh, development to me. You know, the fact that Jesus Aguiar was, you could pitch to him, that didn't surprise me. Because, you know, again, he, he's, he had a great year. But that is, Jesus Aguiar is a guy who, even at his best, you can see the logically that good pitching can get him out. Christian Yelich is a guy who, when he was locked in, it didn't matter what you were doing. And he went from locked in to, uh, again, just, you know, Mere mortal in, in against the Dodgers.
1: And again, I, I just go back to the better unit. You, you know, the po- that's the beauty of the postseason. Two great units go up against each other. In this case, the better unit won, and the Dodgers pitching on the course of the season was a better unit than the Brewers offense, which I think makes it, again, interesting moving into this series now. You know, we talked about the ALCS. The Red Sox were the best offense in baseball. The Astros were the best pitching staff in baseball. The Red Sox just straight up owned them. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a dominant series on both sides. Now the series shifts. The Red Sox are, we mentioned, you know, a you and I agreement. They're the better team coming out of the better league, and they're fresher. For you, is this a Red Sox sweep situation? No, no. Do you think the battle, again, t- the battle test in na- nature of the Dodgers helps them actually overcome all those factors? Where are both of these
0: teams? I mean, again, you know, both of these teams know the playoffs. There's no <laughs> the the. The, the thing I'm gonna be fascinated to see, I think that the Red Sox are, again, they're a better team. That doesn't mean they're gonna win it, because this is playoffs over a seven-game season. If you said best of seven series, and you took the, this year's Red Sox, and you put them up against, let's not say the Orioles, but let's just say like a, the Twins, which are a, not a very good team this year. And you said, we're gonna do this, and we're just gonna do this, you know, like we're gonna do 100 simulations. The Twins would win some of those. You know, they, it would not be 90 to 10 if you did 100 simulations. That's the nature of baseball. So, like, again, there's a lot of variability here. But I'm going to be fascinated to see, you know, there's a lot of talk of, you know, will the Red Sox let, you know, when they go to the National League, we talk about DH. When they're, in, you know, when they're in Dodger Stadium, will Mookie Betts play second base? And I think, I, I don't want to over make it too, oversimplify it, but I think it's an obvious choice that they should. I don't Mookie Betts did not move off a second base at any point during his career. He did not move off a second base because he was not good at second base. Travis Shaw picked up second base having never played it on fly during a uh, essentially a pennant race. Mookie Betts was we had him, you know, managers in the Eastern League, which was basically his last chance to play it essentially voted him the best defensive second baseman in the Eastern League in his last chance to play second base. Then with Dustin Pedroia at second base in the big leagues, they needed to get Betts Bat in the lineup. They moved him to the outfield. That still takes ground balls in the infield to kind of just, you know, he, he, he believes that that is useful for him as far as even just in his play in the outfield. But so this is not something where you are trying to force feed a guy into the dirt who's never done this. I think it is something, again, it does, you have a simple solution, which is, is in those games at Dodger Stadium, bets come, you know, starts the game at second. And if you get a lead or you need to go to better defense later in the game, at that point, you pull Martinez and then you move bets back to the outfield. But I, I went, kind of wonder what you think. But to me, I, I'm fascinated by seeing bets play second base. Not only this, but I still think that that actually may not even be... If he wanted to do it, which when you have an all-star, an MVP caliber player in right field, you don't move him unless he wants to move, I still think that's a viable position for him going forward if he wanted to do it.
1: I mean, we know he's a good enough athlete to pretty much do anything he puts his mind to. He was a
0: shortstop who moved because... He was having some yips throwing with his arm, but other than that, he has shortstop type tools.
1: I mean, again, you know, I, I think back to the covering the twenty sixteen World Series, and I'm watching Carlos Santana play left field, you know, for the Indians in Wrigley. I mean, when you get to this point, you have to have your best bats in the lineup. Period. I have no problem with it. I think we'll see. You know, again, there's something to be said for taking ground balls in the infield versus game speed, game situations. There's always mm-hmm. a little bit of that risk there, but. If you trust in Betts' athleticism, you trust that at the end of the day, you're going to be best off with him at second and J.D. Martinez in right field in a National League setup, which I think you are, sure, go for it. Why not? And if, for whatever reason, it falls apart in game three or four and you need to make an adjustment, that's fine. But I I say go for it. You need to bring, you know, especially if you're an American League club doing things a little bit differently, you have to get your best eight bats in the lineup
0: In the World Series, and this is the way for them to do that. And again, the the difference here being, I agree with you, you get your best bats in the lineup. There are David Ortiz, when you put David Ortiz even at first base, you're a little bit, at the end of his career, you're talking about something you're a little hesitant to do because he, at that point, there are injury issues, there are things, and he's just not very good there. Mookie Betts at second base has a chance to be surprisingly good because. This is not a foreign experience for him. This is going back to something that he has done many, many, many a time earlier in his career. And, yeah, there may be a play where it comes back to hurt you, you know, because, again, that can happen with a regular second baseman. But it's also something where there is a pretty significant upside, and it's going to be fascinating to watch. You're, you know, you're, it's going to be even more fascinating for you.
1: Yeah, I'll be uh, up at Fenway for games one and two. Uh, I will not be at games three, four, five at Dodger Stadium because my sister-in-law is getting married. She picked a great weekend to get married, so uh, but I'll have coverage. If she just
0: pushed it one more week, you would... You know, you know
1: it's funny you asked that. When she was looking at dates at the venue, uh, she said, hey, we have this weekend in the end of October and one in November. She asked my wife and I, is there anyone that works better for you? And we said that one in November would be perfect. They went back to the venue, and by the time they got back, the November dates was booked, so all they had available was this weekend. I was like... All right. Well, so it is. But uh, JJ, before we wrap up here, we do have to get predictions.
0: I said Red Sox for me. I don't, Re- games, I don't. Again, <laughs> I don't focus on games because it is. I, I all we're doing is throwing the craziest of darts. I mean, like, who do you think's gonna win? I, I just have fun I, you're, with you're, it. Throw, You, know, you, fun can't, with it, you can't take it I'll too seriously. I'll say Red Sox in six. But that is something where that is as much as me putting out money on the Powerball ticket. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really what we're talking about.
1: But we're doing a group group office yeah, trip yeah, to go get a yeah. ticket, right? Um, you know, I, it's funny. I'm conflicted on this because before the season, I picked the Dodgers to win it. And I've talked about that a few times. And I feel like now that they're here, I can't jump off. Like, mm-hmm. I picked them to win it. They literally did what I have chose them to do. And it'd be weird to jump yeah, off right, this right or not, Yeah, take, you know. Um, but by the same token, I believe the Red Sox are the better team. They're coming out of the better league. They are fresher. And just, again, watching the quality of play in both the ALCS and NLCS this year it was very stark there are some years I do feel like it's not as stark although the AL is generally a better league this year in particular I thought it was night and day so again I I I can't jump off the Dodgers now because I've put that pick in print in February and they're here um but Please know that I am, listeners out there, I, I am conflicted and I do believe the Red Sox are the better team as I say that and I'm locked into said prediction. Cool. Either way, I think it'll be a great World Series, two historic franchises, potential for a Kershaw sale game one. That's, a, that's an all-time World Series game one matchup potentially. This one's going to be a be lot of fun.
0: It's going to be fun. All right. I just well. hope I'm hoping for three and a half hour games. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 not, not four and a half, three and a half.
1: Hey, I'll be on the West Coast for three, four, and five, so they can go as long as they want. Those 5 p.m. starts, baby. Works out. For J.J. Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Look forward to the World Series. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.